Hi, I'm Anna-Claire Harper, and you're listening to The Return, property and investment podcast, sharing insights and information on key topics from real estate technology to sustainability. Feel free to get in touch or follow recent news by connecting on LinkedIn, Anna-Claire Harper. Hi, and welcome to The Return, property and investment podcast. I'm Anna, and in this episode, we're talking tips and tricks on interior design, dressing properties to sell in a slow sales market, and making your property look a million dollars without costing the earth with Anushka Tamani, who runs an award-winning design studio specializing in interior design and architecture. Hi, Anushka. How are you doing? Hi, Anna. Yeah, great to be here. And hopefully I can give your listeners some interesting tips and tricks and insight into how to um, get a good return on investment. Perfect. So yeah, given your expertise in interior design and dressing and how much you do work with property investors and developers, as well as homeowners, as well as the current market context, I thought it would be great to discuss how interior design and dressing and making properties look beautiful can be used by investors and developers as you say, to make a, return, a better return on investment and to meet the needs in the current market, which is mm. often slower sales cycles, often a lot more uncertainty. And I've got some personal experience of selling properties, some dressed, some not dressed. Mm. So I've seen it firsthand, but you've got a lot of experience of this. So firstly, how do you kind of quantify the benefits of making a property look beautiful? However you do that mm. through interior design? So there are two factors definitely aesthetics is one and you want people to walk into your property and for it to make an impact that gives people an emotional response but also there's the practical uh, practicalities too so when you're considering design firstly you've got to think about space function form utility all of that and if you're using a professional designer they'll be able to guide and lead you on both it's a cliche but you know form follows function um, and then aesthetics being on top of that so The benefit of using a designer is that if you're starting from scratch and you're overseeing a building site, you've got somebody who's going to put together plans, technical drawings, all the documents for tender so you can put them out to a number of different builders and get really accurate quotes so you know how much money you've got to work with from a build and decorating Mm -hmm. um, budget before then getting to the dressing stage. Um, Potentially, if you don't have the time to oversee the work itself, if you're using a professional design studio, they can make weekly site visits to check that everything is going according to plan. If people have had experience of undertaking projects before, they probably realise that there are always things that come up on site, various questions. Absolutely. (laughs) And having an intermediary who knows the details of what's should be being done um, acting as that interface and feeding back taking pictures um, and sending reports that's also really important a lot of my clients work internationally as well they're very busy um, if you're an overseas investor you might not even be in the country so having somebody who's on the ground um, who can also look after those aspects as is really important. But if it comes to the dressing, the finished product, there are multiple kind of studies that have shown that actually 
if people walk into a home and they can imagine themselves living there, that's going to create the feeling of need, want, desire to buy a property. And that comes through styling, you know, using things like coffee table books, interesting art, really making it feel like a home as opposed to it being purely a development and a kind of soulless box. I'm sure we've all heard people say after going to view a newly developed property that it felt soulless. Mm. And in a market which is stagnating a little, where properties are taking longer to shift, you want your property to stand out and not be one of those ones left on the shelf that people walk into and say, this is a bit of a soulless box. Yeah. And I've heard in the past that, you know, you want to ideally target the female buyer because whether it's an investor or a developer or a homeowner for a new build property, often it's the kind of more emotional decision-making that targets like the, the typically female way of thinking that is what gets the sale especially in the tough market, is that how you, I suppose, approach it? Is that who you see as your client or do you just look for beauty and don't think about that? I think there's probably some truth in that. Mm. Again, it very much boils down to the demographic and who the development is targeting. Yeah. So if they're one-bedroom kind of new-build apartments in Docklands or close to Canary Wharf, that might be catering more towards single men working in the finance, <laughs> yeah, the, the bachelor yeah. pads. And then I think it it's probably not right to say that they're not led by an emotional impulse no. um, either. But their aesthetic will be different from you know development which is catered towards families in Surrey mm. um, or that kind of commuter part just outside of London. Yeah. So again, it does boil back to knowing the audience, knowing and having an insight into who you're appealing to and then appealing to them on an emotional level. So I was going to ask you about that, actually. So in terms of process, whether because some of the things that you've referred to have been sort of sound like they're associated with bigger schemes, bigger developments, mm. but for smaller ones as well, the same thing applies. How do you get started when you're defining how you're going to approach the design, for example, looking at the target market and all that? Yeah, so for me myself, I, I live in London. So if it's a property that's being developed in London, I've got a pretty good understanding of London's different tribes. Yeah. And if you don't, then the best thing to do is to scout the area, go and sit in a coffee shop, go to, you know, see what's going on there and take in the feel of the place so you understand the kind of people that are living there because the people who will be buying there are going to be similar kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And I think it it's really probably having your feet on the ground. I, I think on one of your other podcasts, you were talking about investing for the first time yeah. in an area that you didn't know and you didn't understand and it being that much harder so again if you are working with a good design studio a good architect they'll have a feel for the different tribes within London yeah. or further afield and they can tailor the design accordingly if you're styling or dressing a place in Shoreditch yeah. it's going to have a different vibe to Knightsbridge and that's because the end buyer is a different kind of buyer, most probably. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the thing about kind of like 
a return on investment because mm. I suppose we're mostly focused on design as a tool as part of an investment mm. and development project. So how, how do you measure and understand what the return on investment for design would be? So the first or could thing, be actually, I guess, because I guess you can do it well or badly, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think we've probably all looked in an estate agent's window and seen some shoppers, and that is probably one of the worst things that you can do is to have spent a lot of money on doing up a property that you're intending to sell relatively soon. It's not a family property that you're going to spend the next 20 years in, so it doesn't matter if it's not to everybody's taste. Yeah. And for that money not to be appealing to the broader market. So when I'm working with clients, and this is typically single clients in their 20s or early 30s, buying their first or second property and they've already got it in mind that probably within five or six years they'll be looking to scale up perhaps buy a family home they want to live somewhere nice but they also want to factor in resale value and make a good return on investment a lot of my clients work in finance too so it's always in their mind making sure they're not wasting money so the first place to start would be the local estate agents or property search agents, depending on where you're living, ideally talk to both and get a feel for the local property market. What are properties at the top of the market similar to yours selling for? And what do they look like? Why can they charge a premium? And so, yeah, once you figure out the ceiling, you know the very top end. Mm. And you also need to get a valuation for your property as it is. So you You do that before you would even start dressing or thinking about design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then again after? Yeah. And then then you know. And you've got your return. Yeah. So know what the market value is for your current property know what the ceiling is for similar done perfectly or as good as um, locally and then you know how much the value could potentially increase by Mm -hmm. and then you need to figure out what kind of return on your investment you want and work back from there Mm -hmm. and then I guess that kind of comes to setting your budget then because you know especially in a slower investment market mm. slower sales cycles mm. i guess a lot of investors and developers are a little reluctant to go spending money they see as extra and not mm. and as fundamental as it can be to getting an uplift in value you know you don't need to design a property mm. and dress it it clearly makes a big difference but mm. it's i guess it's not like having walls and a roof right <laughs> you can probably still sell the property at some some level without so how do you set a budget that is suitable when you're working back to be honest I don't think that every developer needs a designer Mm, needs an architect and it really does depend on the level that you're working with whether you can justify the cost but if you're working in a certain segment or level of the market and you're particularly time poor then there's really no better or other option yeah so if you are working and wanting to develop at a certain level of the market and you're expecting a certain level of return, then having a professional who can oversee all of the details which are going to give you that edge yeah. really does make a difference. And your target 
client who will be buying the end product, the end house or apartment, they're going to want certain things factored in, which you probably don't want to leave down to your builder mm -hmm. to decide. Sure. So planning and preparation, as we all know, is key in any process and making sure that things are budgeted um, and managed properly. So mm -hmm. hiring a good designer, if you are at that kind of level and that's basically prime sense. prime or large developments right because if you were doing sort of three flats in croydon it might not necessarily be worth the expense because the value of those properties is going to be x per square foot it's probably not worth it to be spending that much more but if you are like you say in knightsbridge for example we're selling it way over a thousand pounds per square foot it might make a lot more sense. Yeah, so we the studio offers different levels of service because you're right that it doesn't make financial sense if you're doing a relatively small projects and somewhere like Croydon to have the full... Or just anywhere lower value, right? Than prime London. Yeah, potentially. I mean, if you're doing a lot of units in a lower value area, but you're starting from scratch and you want kitchens, bathrooms, bespoke joinery, all of that designed, then it can definitely make sense mm. to hire a designer to do your electrical plans and layouts alongside all of that stuff too. And potentially source things like flooring and pass on trade discount. And that brings together then an offering which is financially viable yeah if you're doing you know one or two places then it probably doesn't um but if it comes down to needing a steer in the right direction and putting together a concept and a shopping list something like that then what i've done for smaller developers first time developers is to do a concept mm -hmm. and a shopping list which then allows them economically to have a tailored design which they can run with and then scale up yep. as well if they wanted to. And the key for us is to to make sure that you know we're able to offer something to smaller developers as well yep. as larger developers that's tailored to their budget as mm -hmm. well and makes sense for them what they're doing. I think that's super useful because when you're sort of looking at it when as an investor and having been a developer I don't have time or mental effort to focus on this stuff right so it just needs to be done or it needs to be something consistent that I know will work and having a shopping list yeah it's, 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 it's a helpful way of doing things okay and do you kind of use similar stuff for everyone or is it again tailored to what extent would you tailor yeah, it's totally tailored. There are some clients, some developers that want something quite vanilla mm. um, and that can work for them. I think at the moment though, the way that the market's moving is to make show properties or mm. um, even single developments have a bit more personality and a bit more character, that there's a sense of place to the project as well because people's mindset has changed over the last five ten years especially in somewhere like London you know having gone through the recession people 
are really looking for something that feels unique and that has a sense of um, individuality and whether that's in Croydon, whether it's in Shoreditch, whether it's in Knightsbridge, people are buying into that idea. So I think it's important to nail that. I think that's super interesting. So I was going to ask you what, how investors and developers can kind of use the ideas behind what you do in their own work mm. to basically meet their goals more effectively in the context of this challenging market. And it sounds like from what you're saying, a big thing is having personality, kind of authentic style of some kind and not being too beige. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things which for any business is important, it's the psychology of the person, you know, that you're appealing to and understanding what people want. Mm -hmm. And all buyers now pretty much want something that feels unique in a certain way and what that means depending on area will differ but there's definitely a huge demand for places that aren't boring and beige or grey and that have a bit of personality and you can make sure that the kitchens and bathrooms are neutral enough but it's those extra touches when you're dressing it that are going to give it a lot of character and personality. So if you had um, a really small budget for a development, what would be the thing? How would you prioritise that budget? Well, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to anybody, but it would be the kitchen and mm. bathroom um, that I would recommend spending the largest segment of the budget on. Do you mean kind of the fittings? Or... Yeah, the, the fittings, you know, the, the brand of cooker mm-hmm. that you're using, the integrated appliances the kind of cabinets you can probably save money on somewhere like howden's or magnet yeah. but you still want to have the look of quality unless yeah. it's really really low budget so perhaps putting on a really slim marble top or doing something a little bit different mm-hmm. that gives it more of a feel of quality while still saving. But things like appliances people do look at, they care about, and things like taps as well, so in the bathroom, showers, you want people who are, who've got their eye and they're kind of looking out for those signifiers of quality mm-hmm. to see the signifiers of quality. Flooring is another thing that I think, unless you're really, really at, the lowest end of the market you want to be decent because it's the stuff that's the hardest to change Mm -hmm. people don't want to move into somewhere that's brand new or been freshly um, refurbished to feel that they have to then rip out or do it again then I think that's in a way a challenge because for example if you're in a flat you kind of need carpets on most floors and you need certain things in the bathroom and, and kitchen and if you are on a budget, I mean, that can make quite a big difference to the budget. So you would spend a bit more on flooring, a bit more on fittings. Yeah. And then and then forget dressing? Or would you bother with that? If you're not doing a show flat, mm. so if you only have one property, then I think you should bother with dressing. Yeah. Um, definitely. I've heard that it can increase values by anywhere from kind of like 10 to 30%. Is that... Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm. Um, Prices even rather than values, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) crucially. (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to be smart when you're addressing properties. And 
you can be smart so things like window treatments you can go wild if i'm doing a project for a private client i might spend up to 200 pounds a meter on fabric if you're doing it for a development instead of using real silk you can use satin that's 10 pounds a meter and but you've got a similar look and feel so there are definitely ways that you can be smart about it and i like to use local um suppliers artisans as well my curtain maker is local to me in south london so by going to smaller companies supporting local businesses you can also save money as well Mm -hmm. and so i think there are definitely ways of cutting costs yep without cutting but without cutting the quality and without cutting or hindering the overall impact and look that you want to achieve it's super interesting okay have you got any other tips for an investor or developer who let's say is struggling to sell or rent because i think that's something we haven't really touched on um their property about how they can really i guess replicate that wow factor that you discussed Mm. in the first question yeah i think if the property has been on the market for a while Mm. and it's not selling and you've asked your agent and they haven't given you feedback or Mm. they have but it hasn't worked it could be worth spending 100 200 pounds on hiring a professional designer to come in and to have a consultation and to say you know to hear what they have to say about what could be done Mm. um because if you can't identify it if the agent can't identify it but there clearly is a problem then it could be that a designer who understands homemaking and understands the value of aesthetics and all the things that we've talked about could give you insight that you could then use to go off and do it yourself Mm. because you know again not everybody wants to pay or you know is in a position to pay for you know the, the full kind of dressing or design of a property but even having a one-hour consultation to talk through room by room mm. what could be improved could make a, a big difference yeah that homemaking and placemaking concepts that you discussed are so relevant and it's especially important where like you said okay so sales cycles are generally slower you might have a property that sat on the market for a while and you might just have to decide to rent it out rather than mm. selling it so if you are doing that then i guess you're thinking from two markets right mm. you're still selling but you're selling to a renter and they have as many demands as people who are buying your property. Okay, that's really interesting. So before we tie up, if people want to reach out to you and follow your work, your beautiful work, um, what's the best way for them to do that and stay in touch? Sure. Get in touch. So the best thing to do would be to email me at studio at anushkatami.com. If you want to look at the various projects that I've done and to read more about my background and my website, um, which is www.anushkatamani.com um, gives all of that. And then if you use Instagram and Twitter, um, my handle is at Anishkatamani Designs. And I'm always... Instagram is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, I'm more than happy to kind of answer any questions that people may have or um, yeah, to give an insight into my experience in different locations in London, because I've been lucky enough to work north, south, east, west, and have a really good feel for the different kinds of 
clients, the different kinds of buyers in each of those markets. Thanks. Interesting. Thanks so much, Anna. Yeah, thank you. Um, before we to go I should probably say sorry for the background noise if it's come through <laughs> so we've decided to record this in Elephant Park which is a new development in South London um, and it sounds like it's still being built probably on the recording <laughs> but anyway um, so sorry about that but anyway thank you so much for sharing joining me and sharing your insights really appreciate it if anyone has any questions or feedback um, for the podcast it's the return podcast on Facebook thereturnpodcast.com the.return.podcast on Instagram. And if you've enjoyed or learned something from this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as this really helps. Thanks for joining, Anishka, and thank you for listening. Thanks, Anna. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Return. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as this really helps other people to find the podcast.